Who's that sexy little bird-faced man? It's Roman. It's Roman. Who's got the biggest wiener in the land? It's Roman. It's Roman. You all know the song, so sing along, because it's Roman, and it's looking so good. Got his big butthole. Oh, it's Colette. She's here, too. <laughs> Musical genius. Yeah, those bears. Tell you what. <laughs> Comics Place presents. Hey, welcome to Comics Place presents a perfectly acceptable podcast, episode five. Uh, it's it's season four, episode five. Comics Place presents. It's a comic book podcast run by a comic shop by people who really love comics, and the only thing that they like more than comics are each other. And mm. the one that like the only thing that I was going to make a narcissist joke about you. I was going to say that you know, but there's only one who likes himself more than those, and he's gone. Jenga will like that joke when he hears it, I think. Okay. I think he'll like that joke. He's not here right now, everyone. I am always, I'm Jeff. Uh, I'm Roman. And I'm Colette. And not every week is the strongest week of comics. And this is one of those weeks, but that doesn't mean we didn't enjoy ourselves. And it doesn't mean we're not going to have a fun time talking about the comics. Because on this place, this this show, we do, we do three things. Uh, we talk about the shop that we work in. We talk about the comics we read. And we talk about the comings and goings of our lives. That's what we do when the Comics Place presents. We love comics, hanging out with comics. Django is currently in New Orleans. If you're listening and saying, wait, the one person that we listen to this podcast for is here, it's Colette. And the other guy is not, it's Django and he's gone. Um, That's because New Orleans, family, Jazz Fest. He went and saw Death Cab for Cutie last night and uh, disliked it so much he wasn't even able to finish the name and uh, (laughs) and then told me his feelings about it. Um, <laughs> I was I, about to say Jago went to Death Cab, and then I mean yeah. he's a jazz fest. I think that there's just a bunch of bands playing all the time. The Red Hot Chili Peppers playing yeah. down there, so you probably just wander from building to building and see great bands like Death Cab for whatever. Um, is what he said, but uh, I like that band a lot. Mm-hmm. We miss you, Django. Hope you're doing well. Everything's totally fine. Nothing bad has happened. Nothing has broken. Nobody had books go into their file totally incorrectly where for no rhyme or reason things started pulling in an incorrect and less obvious way than when it pulls vermilion for every single person it's all totally fine Django. it's totally cool bud we yeah, got yeah, you the, the fire insurance was great it covered everything <laughs> i was surprised yeah, I that for that oh yeah and there's been no tears there's been <laughs> no, no tears, tears at all mm. i actually haven't cried yet it's gonna happen, but I have. Oh, I'm yet. I'm a mess, man. <laughs> I'm a mess. I I love that he's gone. I feel so naked without him. Um, Wait, Django's been gone. <laughs> free comic book day on Saturday. Django's got to be back for that, though, right? Oh yeah, yeah he's got to be. Yeah. Okay, he'll be back for that. All right, sounds good. Well, on yep. that note. Uh, we're going to talk about some comics this week. We're going to start off on what is, for me, kind of a high note, but we're going to talk about Amazing Spider-Man number one. We're going to talk about, listen. Number one by Steve Ditko and Stan Lee. Sweet. Roman, <laughs> no joke, because oh. right now we got to get serious for a second. <gasps> the Justice League are dead. 
issue 75 of oh Justice God. League, Death of the Justice League. We're going to get into that in a minute. We're going to talk about Bloodstained Tiff, number one. And we're going to talk about Punisher, number two. We're also going to hear from Colette about a couple books that she read in the form of Knights of X and Ghost Cage. Roman's going to tell us a little bit about Last Ronin, and I'll be here. I'll be here. I talk enough that no one's super excited to be like, Jeff, let's do your thoughts because you know you're good. I'm like Mark Marin. It's like listening to I'm not as good as him, but I'm equally annoying as him. You know, not as good of an interviewer, but I talk so much that you're like, can you shut up so that someone else can talk? I get it. All right. I listen to Marin now. I know that guy talks too much. So on that note, and on, on that token, um, I'm going to talk a little. No, I'm just kidding. Um, oh, you know what? I almost it, because Django's not here. My rhythm's all off. Um, I love Django. I love Django. Uh, but I'm going to get a little email for our podcast here, everyone. Are you ready for this? Ooh. Are you ready for this? Who is it? Oh, yeah. Um, who could it be? Who could it be? It's William Elmer. That's oh, who it could be now. William Elmer. Elmer, 268. Who do we appreciate? Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Oh, wow, Will. <laughs> Man, you just he turned me. He turned this little slug into a tent pole. Um, happy 268, <laughs> my friends. We begin the day with sad news. Oh my God, this is a good thing to talk about. Not a good, but this happened. We begin the day with the sad news that comics legend Neil Adams passed away at the age of 80. I hate to admit that I have only had the privilege of going back and experiencing just a little bit here and there of Neil Adams' work. So I was hoping my wonderful friends would enlighten me and provide me some direction on their favorite work of Neil Adams that they think everyone should go check out so we can best appreciate everything he brought to comics over his long career. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts and hope you are all surviving and thriving without daddy Django's musky and ominous presence constantly looming. That is a very good question, Will. Thank you for bringing up the passing of Neil Adams. RIP, I think one of the prime, like really important foundational artists in all of comics. Mm -hmm. Would would you agree? I I would agree. I know Roman would agree. Um, Yeah. I think we're all going to Google Neil Adams name right now. (laughs) Um, Well, no, I'm just looking up the, uh, so Neil Adams did like the two or the first like key comic that I sought out or actually Jared gave it to me um, for like a, a pricey key comic was a Neil Adams cover that I loved. What and was I it? I want to say the wrong, uh, wrong issue number. It was Green Lantern 86. He got me 85 also, but it's the, um. It's when they bucked the comics code and did the the speedy oh, as an addict one. Yeah. Um, but this 86, I think, is it actually a wet, better cover than than speedy shooting up. Um, it's this giant syringe and all these faces yeah. of drug abuse in the background. And I I bet you were I, all I, about I was just that. I thought it was one of the best things I've ever seen. And that was like my foray into collecting key back issues and and that kind of comic and and you know how i feel about all that stuff now and how much i love it so yeah that was definitely a huge that'll always be very dear to my heart for that i would reason. say yeah so and those are issues from that sort of green lantern green arrow run mm-hmm. um that is so i mean i remember roman telling me about that before i got a chance to read in any of it but it was this pretty amazing kind of take on a social crusade where comics had not really done that before that the hard traveling heroes right they yeah they they mm-hmm. were doing um i mean the easy answer but it's easy for a reason for me is his batman stuff like when i think about my definitive batman my image of batman they're neil adam batman's like that logo mm-hmm. that character the yellow symbol symbol uh emblem all of that like that's my definitive neil adams um 
Roman, what is yours? Oh, there's a handful. A um, yeah. You already said Batman, of course, and uh, the hard traveling heroes stuff. Um, there's one particular scene in one of those issues just where Hal Jordan's on the street in, I don't know if he's in Harlem or where he's at exactly, but this old black man just dresses him down in the street and he's mm-hmm. going on about, you know, you serve the little blue men and defending white men and stuff. What about the black man? And, you know, it's a great speech. And Hal, and the glass panel of Hal is just kind of like, looking down at his feet going shit you're right <laughs> mm-hmm. um his run on dead man in i think it was strange adventures that's still like the best dead man story ever because it retells his origin mm-hmm. and him hunting down his killer oh boy there's so it's many the 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 avengers the kree scroll war yeah his that whole, he did that whole thing and part of that was uh ant-man shrinking down to go inside the vision and fight the virus that's like destroying the vision and the whole issue was just like their take on fantastic voyage with the adventures mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah he you know and he has interesting personal life the older he got like he was an advocate for like hollow earth theory and the books that he would write and draw for the last like 10 or 11 years like are a thing to behold because they are not good they are like a slice of what well, i mean sorry good is such a weird they're beautifully drawn and bizarrely drawn, but they are a slice of insanity that is so hard to describe. Like it could, it, it, I, a rational person would have done an interest, like Batman Odyssey, uh, the Superman one where he's fighting like dark side is an Egyptian God. Uh, he did another Batman Odyssey. He, he just did some very strange things in the last like 10 to 15 years of his career. But yeah, his early stuff is, you know, absolutely incredible oh. detective comics. Yeah. Can I add actually one yeah. of my favorites of his is the, um, and I know it sounds goofy, but it's such an awesome story. Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Oh, I was going to oh, actually yeah. recommend that as well. Yeah. Cause it's, it, it's an iconic, if you want to <laughs> get a, yeah. Yeah. That's a piece of history for sure. Yeah. It's amazing. But yeah, it's, it, it's interesting. Neil Adams was our, our friend and customer, James Burke posted on Facebook, just a write up of, cause he met Neil a few times um, and a great little post he did where he mentioned that, it's funny that Neil Adams, he was so into so many bizarre things personally, like the hollow earth stuff, but he was a, one of the first huge advocates for like creator's rights. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was hugely influential in that. Yeah. Yeah. All tours, you guys, they're, you know, the Ditko's of the world. That's what they're, they're interesting brains They're mm-hmm. They can say some crazy stuff, but I also think you got to nourish them because they are some of the most amazing creators that are out there on yeah. the topic of out there creators. Amazing Spider-Man number one by Zeb Wells and the always out there John Romita Jr. We've got Colette Panketh, John Romita Jr.'s biggest fan, here <laughs> with us. And uh, we got we got a Spider-Man story. We got a Spider-Man story here. Um, that's a joke. Colette really does not, not like John Romita Jr.'s art. I really like his art when it's good. And I really don't like it when it's not. And to me, there's a very clear division of that. I would say almost all of the stuff he did while he was at DC was in the latter camp. Um, but his, he has, you know, like amazing, his run with Straczynski on Spider-Man. I I, got that, I would put that in some of my definitive Spider-Man art. I really like it. I really liked his Avengers stuff with Bendis. I, um, I have nothing against his earlier stuff. Yeah. It's the last 
10 eight years yeah, 10 yeah. years yeah that i am just yeah i have a really hard time looking at <laughs> i felt like this was much closer to his previous spider-man stuff with still some of the trappings of his modern day stuff which i think is also just some of the byproduct of getting older and knowing the shortcuts that you can take i also believe he had an accident or something at some point I forget. I'll look into that while Roman talks about his feelings on this. But I am very curious, like Roman, what did you think about this? I think they should just call it 895. Forget this number one business. Um, you know, I, I like this more than I expected to because I've kind of been reading Amazing Spider-Man just obligatorily. I haven't really I haven't really, really enjoyed it since since Slot left. Um, but I, li- I liked it. I'm curious about the mystery. It actually got me. I was like, OK, I'm, what's going on here? I would have liked it more if it was a different artist, because I mean, I, I mean, I hate to be harsh to one of the comic book le- artist legends. And his father was a legend. His father is like one of the legendary Spider-Man artists. Um, but yeah, I feel like he should have retired after that, that Bendis Avengers run, because um, there's just some faces and in here where i'm just like oh god that's that's really bad <laughs> but the story i liked a lot of a lot of developments i was like oh well that's i really want to know what of course and that's why people are going to read the next issue what did peter do during this blacked out six months where all his aunt may is just so disappointed in him and and you know his friends are like what the hell man yeah i i, I really like the the story setup because and it's not a unique thing to do because I think this hard thing to do with Spider-Man is so much of what makes Spider-Man fantastic is that he is like relatable. He's the everyday person. He's struggling with money. You know, he's got family obligations. And then a, a big through line on what makes Spider-Man Spider-Man is that he continues to be Spider-Man, even though the cost to his personal life is so great that he's kind of an unhappy person, even though he always has a smile and a quip to go along. But like the cost of Spider-Man kind of destroys his relationship so there's this very heavy weight to spider-man but it's hard to make that a static thing when you want to allow a character to grow so it's hard to make that spider-man if he's going to age as well he's got bills to pay you're going to have relationships his aunt has been old for a very long time like all of these things you know like he owns a company he doesn't own a company he's got a degree he's back in high school he you know like it's all of these it moves up and down i think that's a challenge with spider-man in general he's my favorite superhero like i love him as a, as a whole, but I think it's hard. I totally agree with what Roman said. I was not a huge fan of Dan Slott's run, but I don't think this book has been, I, th- I mean, I think that was the last time that, that was the last, that was the most recent high point of it. Um, except for some of the mini series that have come out. I, I would not have wanted John Romita Jr. to retire. I would, I, I do think that there are some janky faces in here, but what I will say about his art is that nobody looks like his art. There is not another artist who can look like the world and the people for good or bad, like the rectangular faces and wide set faces and kind of blocky heads. But I, I don't think there's anyone that even kind of resembles a John Romita Jr. Pay. Um, and, and for every janky face, you know, there's like the human torch coming up, reminding me of what it looked like to see the human torch when I was like five and like those lines on it, hearkening back to like the way that he's drawn and by a lot of really, you know, older artists. Uh, I mean, like the lanky thin Peter. Uh, I, I, I really like his costumed heroes. I do not like his human faces very much, but if he's drawn costume heroes, I, I really like it. Yeah, I, I agree that that panel, the human torch, that large panel of him flying up into view, that's probably, I think that's the best panel in the book. Yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
you know, it totally comes down to taste. Again, I've been very actively anti John Romita Jr. for a while, but when he's doing Marvel and when he's doing costume characters, I like, you know, like the first page of this, I think is a brilliant and wonderful page. Um, but, but yeah, for sure. It, it can be a little bit all over and I, a little bit more consistency or time to, it would be awesome. Also like this digger character. That's, I feel like that was in Straczynski's run, right? I read that within the last like two years and I can't remember if it was a recent comic or if it was while I was rereading Straczynski's run. I don't know. I meant to look him up and I, cause I couldn't remember either where I know he's been in the spider. It was like these gangsters and they all died, but it was like in a toxic place. And like maybe the spirit of one of them was tied to this degrading radioactive thing. Anyway, I'm pretty sure. Colette, what did you think of it? I, um, I liked, or I disliked Ramita's art a lot less than I usually do in this. It did feel kind of flat to me. Yeah. Um, the cover is much more the example of what I so I wouldn't care about his stuff, but I get so tired of like that leg is just <laughs> the most misshapen. <laughs> Everything about it is good, except for that fucking leg is so wrong. And like the cover for the next issue where Peter's thighs and butt are smaller than Mary Jane's just kind of makes me insane. Um, I Yeah, yeah, yeah. I. I do want to like echo a total agreeance. Like his anatomy can be totally off at times. Um, but in general, it's nice to hear that I'm supposed to be confused. I tap in mostly just for the podcast with Amazing Spider-Man. Like I love Peter and I, I love when he's in Avengers stories or stuff like that, but I've never been a big Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man reader. Um, and I felt so fucking lost in this. It was just very much was, I it felt like it should be, 895 and not a number one because mm-hmm. i didn't get that it was supposed to be vague for everyone um i, I totally I, agree it, that like i would didn't know if it was like is this following up right on the end of that you know is this because of to roman like the beyond corporation is this you know is like is he because he was in the hospital for a long time for all of that arc you know was yeah yeah i was just curious or was he gone because yeah, he's in the hospital or did he disappear or no, they wrapped up that storyline yeah. and this opening scene where he's in the middle of a crater. And no idea that wasn't examined okay. in the previous storyline. <laughs> the person hounding him for medical bills, I do think, is related to his like hospital stay from the previous run. But I think that's kind of the only. Yeah, I think that's the only real. Okay, yeah, that would have been really nice to know going into this because I just I couldn't really care about it because I just felt so lost with mm-hmm. out. I would. I always hope that a number one of a long going series is going to at least do the spelling out for me, the things that I need to know to be able to understand where the world is at. And it, it just, I, I couldn't really make an opinion of this because I just felt so lost the whole time. I, yeah, Yeah. that's a good point. Sorry, Roman, please. Yeah, there's so much. I'm sure the little things like, Oh, this Randy guy, Peter Parker and him were roommates, but now Randy's trying to marry tombstone's daughter. Where'd all that come from? Well, that's, yeah came from the last few years of spider-man <laughs> yeah and i don't know any of that stuff but um what'd you guys think about the final two-page epilogue that was like after the end of the issue after the letters page after the preview for the next cover <laughs> i know I just I like the fact that, that we're trying big... to do post-credit scenes in comics is so dumb i know that's so silly <laughs> yeah I, I was i was like is this a preview of the next yeah. issue or yeah I, just the idea of that is a crazy thing i I'm going to give this one a nine. I'm sure I'm in the vast minority there. I love Spider-Man and I I totally understand and support everyone's kind of, not everyone's, but many people's complaints about John Romita Jr. I have them for the last several years. He's super disappointed me. To me, this felt like not an exact return to the John Romita Jr. I really like, but 
um, the feeling of one of his books, you know, his Bendis run on Avengers was when I was getting back into comics as an adult. And it really, I loved it at that moment. And it reminds, every time I read good Ramita, or what I would consider good Ramita, it reminds me of that moment of being like, whoa, I remember this feeling of seeing this design of these characters. And I really like that. So it's a nine for me. And I, I think that it's also every beginning of every new Spider-Man run is kind of a return to a, a Peter a return to the core of Spider-Man. And this one, I think, did a better job for me than others because it's not making him unlikable, but it's also seeing the cost that the costume has on his personal life. So, um, Boy, I'm really curious. That last two pages you brought up, who is that person that's got Doc Ock strung up there? Is it Chameleon? Didn't he have a helmet kind of like that at some point? I guess usually it was white, but... Yeah, could be Chameleon. I thought at first because of the way he's got him strung i thought is this some kind of madame web thing oh okay i don't think that's a woman yeah i don't know i'm real curious about it i i gave this a i ended up giving it an eight because the story got me intrigued way more than i thought it would and despite the art i still gave it an eight because i did enjoy it yeah with the clarification that i want to make sure it's out there that i begrudge no one <laughs> for liking john romita jr it just doesn't do it at all for me but i don't like great if cool um i i'm gonna give it a six and a half yeah i was i did not like it hell yeah i um yeah it's also some of the nicer cards like material on a cover we've had on a comic in quite a while Mm -hmm. so uh silver line right there hey listen everybody a moment of silence that was it that was the moment of silence for justice league number 75 the death of the justice league they're dead they are so dead Remember back in the 90s when they killed Superman? It was like on the cover of the newspaper and people were lined around the corner. Well, now all of them are dead. And did you know? No, you didn't know unless you came into the shop and saw this. The Justice League's dead. Joshua Williamson and some other. Everyone except for Black Adam because we've got a movie and we need to make people care about that movie because we can't be get excited about the flash. Cause it turns out that guy is as bad as Amber heard. Do you think in 30 years, we're going to have a long box full of the death of the justice league also? <laughs> no, because nobody came in and bought two copies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about death of the justice league, Joshua Williamson and an artist that could have been fuck man. If it was John oh, Romita Jr. Oh, I know I how to say that. Django's our, our black Adam. Yeah, he is. He's the only one left. He'll survive us all and save us all. He sure will. What happened in this book, you guys? (laughs) So this is the follow-up to Infinite Frontier, which then had Justice League Incarnate, and now is this. And it's this long-running Joshua Williamson plan to sort of try to follow up on a lot of things that Grant Morrison has introduced. What did you guys think? The Justice League are dead. Meh, it was okay. (laughs) Um man uh yeah it was just kind of i just thought it was okay i mean yeah they died as we expected from the cover um and there's i don't know i don't even remember is there a mystery about who killed them i it's like pariah pariah's like enchanted version of all the the big baddies the great darkness and yeah dark side is there and I read this. We get. I, I read this when we first got our DC books in, so I honestly barely remember it at this point. <laughs> I don't think it's um, just the amount of time that went by that caused you to not remember it, Colette. Yeah, I don't it's, think it's so. It's not I'm very good. Um, I was excited to see Pariah back in mm-hmm. a major way because I, I like that character design, if nothing else. <laughs> I think there are some good bits to it, but I think I'm comfortable now. Like I read this, and then I read Dark Knights of Steel, hmm. and. 
I love the elements and the blocks and the plot structure that Joshua Williamson is playing with and always trying to get at. Infinite Frontier, Justice League Incarnate are clearly follow-ups from Morrison stuff, like the multiversity maps there, you know, following up on multiversity, uh, talks about the bleed, the final crisis. He's very in that school. I feel bad to so constantly compare him to Morrison and then have it be so clearly like, but he's not nearly as good at like writing dialogue to go from this to dark Knights of steel was like every page of this listening to people talk personally for me was like a chore to hear their interactions. It was not natural dialogue. It wasn't fun. It was just like, I think he's a a good plotter. I think he would be a great editor. Um, But his dialogue falls so flat and is burdensome to me and just not like not good. And like this art, um, man, I would so much rather have John Romita Jr. art than this, like, which is just like, I would rather a thing feel unique than this, which feels like any, like it's, it's very flat. It's very, I mean, it's just an artist that I I don't even know who the artist is. It looks like a ton of DC house style artists right now, just like lesser than Brian Hitch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's like a mix between Jorge Jimenez and Brian Hitch to me, which is super uninspired and you know, not to just shit on it. I give it, I mean, I give it a 6.5. It's, it's fine. All I have to say, I'm still very excited for Dark Crisis. I love every crisis. I love when they make a threat to the DC universe. It usually harkens back to some like Kirby ideas. I love the, the, the pantheon of creators who have been involved on crises. Like I, I love all of that stuff, but, um, and I'm very excited to see where Dark Crisis is going to go. Cause I think they're going to have a much higher caliber artist on it. And this is a prelude to it, but this one I got the I got the book in my hands, you guys, and I was like, "Oh, we don't have enough of this. This is like beautiful. This feels good." I got online, I ordered fifteen more, and then I sat down and read it, and I was like, "Well, didn't need to order fifteen more of that." Like I was like, "Oh <laughs> shit, man, they got me." Uh, but that's me raining on it. I'm 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 I I, 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 I should have. I mean, I just keep trying to like Joshua Williamson, and I just finally have to be like, I don't like. Sharing with Gary Jerry Duggan. I, there are two people that I read almost everything they put out. And I'm always like, maybe I'll like this. And I just need to realize, no, like I've never liked, I've never liked the follow through on any Joshua Williamson book. Well, you're, you're, I agree. I, his dialogue is weak. I, I like his plot points and yeah. Yeah. All that. Mm-hmm. There was one scene that of dialogue that I liked. And that was just a real brief with, uh, I forget his name, president Superman saying to regular DC earth, whatever it's called nowadays, earth zero or whatever. Um, the regular saying to the regular Superman, Oh, I should have contacted you earlier. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I want to see the two coolest Superman team up. Yeah. And I love the fact he's Williamson brought captain carrot and all this. And, but he's a big honking, just cool looking anthropomorphic rabbit. And he doesn't do much, but it's just the fact he's there. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, what was I going to say? I don't know. I found this easier to get through than amazing Spider-Man or some other things that I read for that. Like it, I read it, it, the art, there was stuff going on. It, it, <laughs> it, 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 I mean, like it wasn't flat. There was a lot of background. It wasn't, there was depth to it. At least it, it wasn't anything special, but it wasn't just, it wasn't as flat to me as it felt to you, Jeff. And I, yeah, it definitely feels like what I imagine reading the majority of comics was like way back in the day of like, you know, you went and you bought them from the grocery store or something. And it's like cool plot points. And there's X amount of pages that need to be filled in between those. So let's throw in enough dialogue. Um, It's not bad, 
but it's not great. And I do think I, I would probably would have liked it better if I had more of a connection to more of the Justice League characters and, and the stuff going on to be able to be like, oh, look, Captain Carrot. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it was it was fine. <laughs> It's fine. Yeah, it is. I think for me, it was the definition of fine. You know, things like John Stewart <laughs> yelling, "I'm all the backup you'll ever need. I'm bringing the God Storm." Or Batman yelling, "You're done in more one more ways than one, Pariah." It's like, okay, yeah. yeah. I think it's just often. You know, I think that like you look at somebody like Jeff Johns or Mark Wade, who has. I mean, we talk about Bendis. Everyone has the same voice. Like, I, I totally understand that complaint. You mm-hmm. look at somebody like Mark Wade or Jeff Johns, and they have an understanding for the voice of all of the characters when yeah. they write team things. And and again, I think the complaint about Bendis is even more in effect right here. It's like none of these characters have a voice. Like Wonder Woman yells something at some point. It's just and it's just like, oh right, she yells. If this dark army wishes for war, we will bring it to them. It's like okay, cool. Nice, nice characterization mm-hmm. on Wonder Woman. She's an Amazonian warrior. Okay, cool. Cool. Yes. Yeah. One of th- three Wonder Woman. Li- like, it's just, it's a bummer. I, I I, think he's a great plotter. I wish he was like a part of a crew of like Abnet and Lanning or something where he was working with someone to be doing, mm-hmm. doing their writing. Um, at the same time, I love the idea of the story. I get, I mean, for me, yeah, I really don't like the art. This is for me, like the, you know, I hate just blah art that like, looks like it could be anybody and i think they're going to move away from that for the event so I, if a book is going to have a lot of work behind it and a nice artist like i'll be happy to read it um but this this was lacking in some of those categories so i gave it a 6.5 but they killed the justice league damn it <laughs> they'll be back somehow i doubt it they're dead oh they'll get better what was your score I gave it a seven, though. If Captain Carrot wasn't in, I'd probably give it a 6.5. Yeah, yeah. I love Captain Carrot and the Zoom Me crew. Me too. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a six and a half also. <laughs> um, okay, on that note, just very quickly, we're going to take a real quick stop um, on the idea. I'm sure they're going to be back soon and healthy. Uh, Roman, Godzilla versus the Power Rangers, number two. Colin Bunn wrote this book with Freddie Williams II. How would you feel about this book? Yeah. I can't do a Godzilla yell. Oh, it was um, very close though. <laughs> um, it was it was fun. I really liked the art in that book, and it's fun how they bring in other uh, monsters from the Godzilla mythos. And probably I, I wasn't a Power Rangers person. I mean, I saw the original movie in the theater, but that's all I know about Power Rangers. Um, so that I'm sure they're probably bringing in Power Rangers characters too. That I just monsters and villains that I don't I don't recognize. I did have to ask. Uh, Braden and Sean, I think I asked them, so what's the deal? With, how do Zords work? I mean, I was asked <laughs> you and Sean because I didn't really know how that worked. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun series. I mean, I'm digging it and it's fun having the Power Rangers like going up against Godzilla and they've never, they don't know what Godzilla is and so they're so shocked how tough he, it is. Yeah, and there are all these like, Godzilla would make a lot of sense to seem like that he is a creation of Rita Repulsa, the big bad guy from Power yeah. Rangers. So like that 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 does make sense. I also really like the art. Freddie Williams II, this is a great example of an artist who like, good or bad, no one looks like their art. No one looks like Freddie Williams II. They oftentimes get relegated to these crossover books. They did a bunch of turtle stuff. They did Batman Turtles. They did Justice League He-Man. They did Power Rangers Godzilla. Like, it's so weird that they're just like, we need someone to do some weird crossover art, but the muscles are all, like, the anatomy's wrong. The muscles are overdone, but it is so stylized that I think it's very fun to look at. I, yeah, I, 
I also really, really like their art. You know, their robots look like humans, but it's it's bizarre. And I, yeah, I, I hearken it because uh, there's a weird bit that they add to the Power Rangers mythos, which is like, dang, our Zorgs got all mashed up and they had to go away and they're totally fucked. And they're like, yeah, you're right. The Zords are fucked. How are our Zords going to get unfucked? And they're like, it's all right, dude. You know, our Zords have self-repairing technology. So anytime they're fucked, they can get unfucked the next time that they're summoned again. <laughs> and I remember being just stunned as a child, like watching Power Rangers, because I had never heard so many F-bombs that <laughs> often, right? For a children's <laughs> program to just say fucked, unfucked. As a six-year-old, I couldn't even process the idea of being unfucked let alone what what are these range it's always been fuck so anyway uh i roman mice sorry did you have a score for that oh uh let me see what did i score it mine was a mine was a 6.5 for that i i really liked yeah i'm gonna go seven you're right i i, I like the art and it's fun it's it's not it, there's nothing about it that is bad it is just not great but it's fun so yeah. seven i yeah, can even maybe great. go 7.5 yeah, it's not great. I mean, I gave it an eight just because it was a yeah, really fun read. And yeah, William's art, it's kind of, I mean, in a way, it doesn't look anything like Kirby, but in a way I put him in in like a Kirby category, whereas, yeah, the anatomy's not correct and it's pretty weird, but it's really fun to look at and you can yeah. follow all the action and it's maybe not makes sense biologically or physically. <laughs> but it's your fun. Yeah. Okay, cool. That That's that um okay everybody let's talk about the punisher let's mix up the alphabet a little bit because we threw that one in there i want to make uh, sure time to go from fun to punishment you guys this book started with a 12 year old admitting that they had killed a man like this is <laughs> like like jason aaron and paul azaceta and jesus says this is it begins with a psychologist talking to a 12 year old frank castle who is talking about not admitting the fact that he's got like a gun and hidden brass knuckles and that he also killed somebody and i thought that was some great characterization i thought to myself why the fuck are we making comics about this character like why on earth is this a character that's being paraded as a superhero i guess there are people that really like the punisher but like that sucks to me, man. I mean, this was this was my other tied for highest book of the week. I, I really loved this book, but I was grossed out by that at the beginning. What did you think? <laughs> well, I really liked that. Like, and this is one of the things that I really I think Aaron does so well is doing the just like just removing all the bullshit and cutting straight to the chase of like this is a fucked up character that is really popular, and let's stop pretending that there's any like gray or. Uh, that we can kind of just stop looking at the really fucked upness about this and just admit that Punisher is fucking wrong. And that yeah. scene with the therapist and everything about it was just like, oh, fuck. He's like writing the kid before he admits to having killed somebody, writing the kid that is the person that thinks that they're gonna grow up to be the Punisher, that that's really cool. And like, it felt very much like the kind of mentality that it is scary to know idolizes this stuff that's out there. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. And, cause, and I think that the course of the issue does a really good job of proving that point. Because I got mm-hmm. to that first like three pages of it and I was like, all right, if they're going to pretend that this is cool, like I'm very against this. If what they're doing is showing how not cool it is to idolize this character all of you people with punisher emblems on your car to me this book is still a response to the people who have like 
like the cops with Punisher emblems, like they're, mm-hmm. you know, the people who are co-opting the Punisher brand. So I think, and I think that throughout the course of this issue, they kind of clarify that, yeah, if that's the way that you are, you're a murderer, you're a sociopathic murderer. And like, and, and they go on, you know, they kind of clarify that throughout the course of the issue. But at the beginning I was like, okay, Jason Aaron, like, I love you. But if you're going to try and tell me that it's cool to be this character, then I'm grossed out. Yeah. See, I read that and I felt, like I was back in Southern Bastards or something where it's just this like, oh, we're going to talk about how fucked up this world and this mentality kind of is and and pull away the curtain. But no, I I, I like that. I just, I don't have a lot of faith in the people who already grandize the Punisher. And so, you know, it's a really, I, I think that it's probably not a good thing that this character exists, whether we've gotten good stories out of it or not. Like I would say it's I don't know. Fuck me. I don't know. Ignore that. But I would say there's maybe an argument to be made that this character does more bad than good. But um, but whatever. I mean, I think the fact that he's walking around in the Captain America shirt is the most interesting quality to all of that of the like. It's so he's so the opposite of Cap. And yet someone who thinks that this shit is okay, who's that fucked up and and this in this mentality is going to find a way of idolizing or turning anything that they want that they think is cool into fitting into their fucked up mentality. And, and to me, that foreshadowed that in the next number of issues, Punisher and Cap are going to have a run in. Cause I think that mm-hmm. what that is saying is like, okay, so buried down in this child somewhere is someone who does believe in these positive ideals, but enough bad stuff has happened to them that now they believe this way. So I, I do think that it's complex character work that is going to pay off in a grand way. But yeah, I totally agree that the Captain America shirt, I was like, Ooh, okay, cool. So he's like layering in that as a child, he respected somebody with good morals, but he also was hiding brass knuckles in his cards and killed a man. So uh, Roman, what did you think that we haven't really gone into the, the issue yet? Did Jason Aaron write the, um, uh, the Punisher born series? Yeah. Oh, he no, did. That was Garth Ennis. Sorry. He did. Oh, Punisher okay. Max. Yeah. Um, Cause yeah, I, I was, you know, mentally trying to make this fit with that series. Cause I love that series as an origin for the Punisher. Um, and I made it fit. It just kind of layers in to that though. That's set in Vietnam. So it does raise the question, right. just how old is the Punisher <laughs> um, the character in, in the context of the stories? Cause I want born to count. I really, I really like this. I mean, yeah. I mean the Punisher, you know, in the seventies he was created cause he was a ripoff of uh, the, the, the novels that, the men's action novels the executioner um and he was just trying to capitalize on the popularity of that character and somehow he's still around the executioner isn't anymore (laughs) um i like this issue i like the story i mean i like the story of him of the hand and why they're trying to use the punisher as their leader slash patsy um i don't know a ton about the hand roman like have we seen that giant demon before or like within the hand we so we have seen that demon yeah, the beast. Yeah, okay. yeah. I forget. I think because it possessed it. Daredevil. I think we've seen it in Daredevil and probably some Electro stories or wherever else the hand has shown up. And you know, the hand is just well, actually, no. They were Frank Miller invented them in Daredevil. They were because right. they were the inspiration for the foot in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, we've seen that beast before, which I, I'm always curious. So is this beast? Is it a form of uh, Mephisto? How's it, or a different demon, or what? I really I like its character design and the art with it. Yeah, yeah. Great art. I love the fact Ares is mm-hmm. the, his acolytes, the way the one acolyte hid his weapon. That was all oh, really well done. Yeah. I am curious in the future if 
because Marvel, the main reason they did this, I think, was to change the Punisher symbol to now yeah. the, the hand beast symbol. And I am curious, like in a couple of years, so are some of these chuds out there that think the Punisher is like the ultimate hero. Are they going to start wearing this modified Punisher beast symbol? <laughs> I don't think so. Not, I don't, you know, in the same way that we're like, yeah, the Justice League is dead. Yeah, but they'll be back. The Punisher will be back with his skull shirt, you know, in a number of years. Like it's, I, I think. Or if, they'll sorry, find please. some way of saying this is the, whatever the end story of this is, moral of it is, is the bastard liberal left trying to destroy their, the one good character or some shit and they'll just <laughs> ignore it. Or I don't, yeah, I mean, none it, of them have watched erratic punisher comic it seems like so yeah yeah i and i totally agree with that yeah i i you know in 10 years he'll have his original costume back 100 like it's just league's always gonna be the justice league you know superman's always gonna be superman it's comics yeah. like I, I like the spider-man book i love that they're breaking up mary jane and spider-man but i was as i was thinking about it, i was like it would be cool to like stick with this why do we consider mary jane and spider-man a thing that has to be a constant but at some point within these characters there is a moment that is locked in as the eternal moment that character always needs to be. And, you know, Batman's always yeah. going to be single. Uh, you know, like, anyway, like Captain America will always exist. Uh, it's, it's, there's a weird bit of yeah. like, Spider-Man will always be in and out of a relationship with Mary Jane for the rest of our life. Yeah. And I'm fine with most of that, except there are some things like, like I wish Aunt May was dead. <laughs> they wrote a great death for her and then, you know, wrote it out of. Yeah, I totally agree. And like this, I mean, I love this this story. Actually, the, I mean, the scariest person in it is this. Um, oh, what is she? She's the uh, yeah the, the priestess. Yeah. yeah, the priestess here of of the hand. I mean, she is the scariest villain in this. I mean, the Punisher. You know, he's just his usual messed up human being. <laughs> I I gave it a nine. I loved it. I was totally engrossed. I for me, what I was saying in response to Colette, like it started me in a point of interest and gave mm -hmm. me a firm opinion and, I, and and then put me on a journey for my own beliefs. Like it, it and all of that, I think, is a credit to Jason Aaron's writing in the same way that Colette said Southern Bastards. Like and I it's such a credit to his writing and it, it is a trait of his writing. And I didn't even super think about that while I was reading this because I read it about an hour before the podcast. But Colette, you're totally right. Very much Southern Bastards like he 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 kind of instead of saying, hey, this is bad. He does the bad thing earnestly. So he rubs your face in it. So you think it's bad instead of heavy handedly showing you it's bad. It's like he shows you the bad thing so much without questioning it that you start to question it. And I think that that's really great writing. Well, and that's kind of a perfect description of what I, I, I wonder if is going to be the, the course of this book of, of Castle with this priestess who is just like constantly effusing how all these really horrific things he does are so perfect and so mm -hmm ideal and that he is their chosen one if having that like this uh positivity just like oozed on to all the horrible things he's doing from this person that he i he doesn't seem to quite feel comfortable or trust right if that's going to make him or if this is going to be a story of him kind of like well wait a second well oh this is you're making me see this in a different light by telling She's me how great like, it is you're the best most horrible bigoted racist evil murderer there is good for you and he's yeah i mean like that's to me it's like he's get jason aaron's giving that person the voice of the people with the punisher logo driving around in their car 
and uh-huh. forcing the reader to realize how fucking horrible and stupid that is. Like that, that's to me by the end of the issue, the vibe that I got, which was like, you're so good for being the worst scummiest type of person in the world. And he's like, I don't want to just be a dirty murderer. You know? Well, and like the little bits of him trying to like assert again that yeah. he has a moral code but when you're he only says killing no the people mo- I say. Yeah. And no more cha- training children. It's like, yeah. are you? F- yeah, dude. I mean, I get that he's, you know, he's there because they brought his wife back to life and a- supposedly are bringing his kids back and that there's going to be a tie. But I, the closer you get tied to someone that you don't want to be with, the more it's going to point out all the things that yeah. are, are gross and in interaction. And I like every time I read it with I don't know which artist is which. I haven't actually done oh, that Paul much research. Is, Paul Azaceta is the one doing the flashbacks. He's like the okay, harder yeah. Greg Smallwood, like a less soft Greg Smallwood. And then Jesus Saez is the like really digital color grading. Okay. Yeah, I love I love the I already mixed up their names in my head, but the person doing the flashbacks, I yeah, I like I read that. I'm like, oh my God, I wish the whole book was this. Yeah. But there's something about that very grainy digital stuff that it it makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what i want for everything going on in those scenes so it's kind of i I like the the dichotomy of those two really intensely different arts roman your mouth i think i saw it was just about to say something a minute ago oh um what was i gonna say Uh, a a few things um because yeah just to be just to be clear i mean the priestess doesn't say he's racist or bigoted no no no, sorry sorry yeah that was me sort of just like she's highlighting one aspect of what i think is despicable culture and in doing so, I think if you want to read into it, you can kind of interpret all the other aspects yeah. of that, the way shitty people do it in our lives. Yeah. And the um, I like the way she's manipulating him because, I mean, saying she keeps telling him he's the greatest murderer in the history of humankind. And even though he's the Punisher, I find that hard to believe. I mean, he's murdered more people That's than Hitler. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> I mean, come That's on. Point. <laughs> um, he's um, had his more hands involved in the murdering, though. And I think perhaps. that's the with the hand because they're so direct. And she's like, you, nothing is more beautiful like the painting of Starry Night, like when you have a machine gun in your yeah. hand and blood <laughs> is flying all around you. Like that's the, you know, like, because I think on some level, yeah, whatever, you, you know. What yeah, I mean. and it's it's really well done. And I the uh, and the thing with his wife, when, when she finds out that, no, the kids aren't coming back, that, that wasn't part of the deal that Frank made with them. And I think Frank's just lying to her saying that, well, yeah, the kids, because he's trying to figure out, well. <laughs> They'll be here soon. But she's going to start freaking out on him realizing how horrible things are and the children are gone. I mean, I, I assume this series, this is going to wrap up with, of course, Frank turning against the hand and trying to destroy them. And then he'll team up with Daredevil and blah, blah, blah. Um, sure, sure. But yeah, I, I really enjoyed this issue. I gave it a nine. This yeah, and Newburn were my favorite comics this week. Um, We talked, sorry, Colette, what's your score? And then I, we got to transition into a Cockburn conversation. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight and a half. I love it. Um. I'm not reading Cockburn, but the two of you are reading it. Django's reading it. I genuinely think we've talked about every issue on this podcast, but it seems like every issue is one of the best issues that came out that week. So please, you two, tell me how it's going. This is the first one in quite a while where it hasn't been a um, just kind of a standalone little story, uh, a little mystery that Newburn's had to unfold. This has got a lot more history on um, his assistant, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, and it's definitely leading into a lot of future issues, uh, uh is- problems, I should say, not issues that I don't know how many physical issues this is going to lead into, but, um, I'm excited to, uh, to have a, a new burn mystery where I leave the end of the issue going, Ooh, what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. This issue, 
surprised me because I I just I got I guess I wasn't expecting a kind of a deep dive into um Angie. Her name's Angie. Angie, uh, thank you. Into Angie's background, um, and, you know, quote unquote origin, I guess. Um, and it's really interesting. And it's course, as, as every issue has been, it's really well done. The characters all very distinctive, their own voices and motivations and and weaknesses. Oh man, this fellow cop, you know, she's trying to help and everything. And jeez, mm-hmm. it's just it's just so sad watching this this guy his descent. Yeah, I even, even like the. I guess I usually like the backup story too. This one I liked a little bit more than some of the other backup stories. Yeah, um, I'm really liking this this backup story too. Um, yeah, yeah, the backup stories don't tie into the main story at all. I think. At least I mean, who knows? Yeah, as I, time goes on, but yeah, I don't I don't think they will. But it's it's cool to see just these other kind of weird mysteries um, just thrown in the back. I I, I love a mystery. Yeah. Um, this one and it surprised me too. I mean, Newburn's not even he's not well, he's in this issue like for one or two panels, but he doesn't have any dialogue. Mm-hmm. I think he's just oh yeah, the 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 weak cop whose name I forget. He opened there's a door half open and he sees Newborn Newburn in there talking to oh with Angie talking to mm-hmm. I don't know who they're talking to. <laughs> Probably the medical examiner or something. It's Newburn's yeah. back. It's all about Angie and this uh yeah. this cop with the gambling problem and I really like how this spells out her mentality and motivations. Like she just really loves puzzles and figuring things out. And the best job she could think of where she could do that would be to be a a detective. And that didn't work out. And so her finding Newburn is great. And then there's this other cop that who knows what his motivation to getting into being a cop was, but it's clearly not really his the field he should be in and he's getting this gambling problem and his connection to this uh i mean the fact that albano that an albano was uh trying to be a cop at one point too with all of them is just asking for trouble clearly but um yeah it just it especially with the long backups they're pretty short comics and you fit so much genuine character development in them i think it's really what makes them such stellar stellar comics yeah it's so it's just so well done and yeah like you say there's so much fit in here i mean we get to see just in angie's like her ex her boyfriend in the past and her mom both for their own reasons but also one of the unspoken reasons or maybe it is spoken with her mom is like god don't be a cop i mean you're a black woman what are you what are you doing why ask for all that pain <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and it's and it's just in a couple pages it's like geez man it, it just and she's such a strong character yeah i love her determination that she's she's in the academy and she's like i'm not gonna be a beat cop i'm gonna be a detective <laughs> I'm going to be one right away. That's not how it works. No, that's going to be how it works for me. Cause that's what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. Um, so what I are think, you, what are your, what are your scores for as precious angels? Um, looking at my list. I'm going to give this one eight and a half. Ooh, I gave this one. Oh, I, wow. I gave this one a 9.5. It's my highest. Nice. Score. Mm. Oh yeah. So far I haven't finished all my books this week. Dude. Cockburn's TP is going to be one of the highest like issue by issue scores. It's mm-hmm. like an ice cream man or something. <clears throat> yeah. Hey, Colette, do you mind if I talk to Roman really quickly? <gasps> Can I talk to him too? Because I like Oh my him. God. <laughs> if you could be a part of this, please. Because oh. I was 
honestly, frankly, I was thinking like, how am I going to talk to just Roman? You know? <laughs> oh. um, I mean, we don't I'll have anything back. in common. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a call He's... and I'll be shocked. And... He is uh, a pretty tough nut to crack that Roman. No, he is not. If you know what I mean. With the Batman grappling gun. Pretty quick nut to bust. Hey, Roman, did you read Bloodstained Teeth by Christian Ward, Patrick Reynolds, Heather Moore, Hassan Atsmane Elahu? Um, yes, I did. What did you think about it? It's an image book. It's a vampire book. I think that there are a lot of vampire books that come out, although fewer now than probably there were, I don't know, eight years ago, 10 years ago, the, the heydays of the twilight time, but there's still a lot of vampires. It's a pretty common mythical thing. Maybe one of my favorite mythical creatures. So I'll give them all a chance, uh, but not a lot of them have a unique take on it. Did you feel that this had a unique take on it? You know, I, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't get the point. Get it? Point teeth. Oh, <laughs> I didn't get the fang. <laughs> uh, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I well, I gave it a shot because when I flipped it open, I was just like, "Oh, wow, the colors are really cool." Art's really unique. Yeah. Um, and then the very first page, the setup for it, I was like, "Well, okay, that's a pretty cool setup." That there's basically vampires. The firstborn vampires are the one percent, and they secretly rule the world. And sometimes not so secretly. Um, and then sips are those that they turn and they're just vicious, unsatisfiable killers and the firstborn don't like them. So I was like, okay, well, that's a nice little class division set up now that parallels our modern world in a lot of ways. Yeah. Plus it's got really cool art. So. And they did some other interesting things to parallel our, like they, you know, try to bring in like Twitter and online stuff about like, oh, this, oh. you know, like the person who's like, well, yeah, I Okay, so I guess my question is, our main character in this, is he a first generation? I think he is, but he's different. I, there was something in here. Now I got to find it that I think answered that question directly. Um, my but, ambiguity is, so the firstborns can turn people and those are the sips. Can the sips turn people? I don't think they can. Okay, so that he would start. therefore not be a sip, but he is a... So then I was thinking, okay, well, first. how did the firstborns get here then? They've always well, been around. If you go yeah. by, um, is it Donny Cates' uh, Redneck, the original vampire, the first one was, I think, was because of Cain and Abel. It was biblical. Um, so I like that very much. We'll have to check with Christian Ward if he's following in yeah, Donny Cates' yeah. Redneck lore. But yeah, our main character, Atticus Sloan, is a firstborn because okay. his familiar is a sip that he uses as a familiar, which is unusual, I guess. And he allows himself to be hired to turn other people into vampires for money. Yeah. And, and that's why he sees like somebody who's like, oh, these newborns is doing now they're on Twitter doing a live feed. And yeah. It's like, oh, funny. Like, and, a live and like feed. you mentioned, I thought that was very clever because right after he turns this woman who's paid him to bite her, uh, the first thing she does is starts posting about fang hashtag fang life and all this like live, a live feed of her killing someone. And he's just like, what the hell? You know, because I guess part of the deal is if you pay some a vampire to do this to you, you're not supposed to post it all over the internet because it's supposed to be a secret thing. And he's just disgusted with the stupid humans nowadays that do this kind of stuff. But it causes him a lot of problems. Yeah, she's basically outed him. <laughs> I think for a vampire story, it was a pretty unique one. I yeah. didn't. I, I think the art is awesome for the colors and I really liked it. But the more I got through it, the more it started to just feel like all of these were like photo captured pictures of people with an art filter put on it. Like a lot of the faces don't seem to match the emotion and just seem to be like, I, I don't know. I wonder if these are all hand drawn. I hope they are. And I'm wrong, but it I just, it doesn't seem, seems like a lot of, 
like, oh, I think that's a picture of Kurt Cobain's face with a filter on it. Or like, oh, but really? uh, his little, his familiar oh, reminded his familiar. me a lot of Kurt Cobain. Oh, um, yeah, I can, I can see that. And some other ones. But I, I would love to know about the, what the art style was. It's a unique art style. And again, I like unique art styles. Uh, mm. I would rather this than a boring one. And the colors and the art of it is what got me into it. By the end of it, though, I started to question, like, what is this? Um, but uh, it got me through the whole thing. I liked it more than I thought I would. Again, like a vampire story nowadays, there's a good chance it's going to feel pretty rote. And this one didn't. So I thought that the way that they combined historic, like classical modern like vampire stuff with modern takes was really, really good. And the way that they have like, you know, like, vampire stoker he was like yeah i created vampires as a myth so that we could hide among them like you know embed truth in fact all that's that's very good and i I like the way that they kind of modernize stuff with the main hook at the end of like you've got to go kill all of your vampire children i was like okay i don't know if i like anyone this book enough to want to read that journey that one that one got me i'm 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 in for the ride okay and i I like there's something about the art style and yeah. the coloring that reminds me of um it's kind of reminiscent of 80s independent oh yeah i could see that titles that i that speaks to something in me and i like little i like the little parts like oh at first i thought he was just brother stoker i thought oh he's just named after right um bram stoker but no this is actually bram stoker because i realized oh, well wait look at his face and that's bram stoker's and mr kinsky the guy yeah, Klaus in, Kinski like, that oh, played Klaus yeah, Kinski Nosferatu. Played yeah. Nosferatu. <laughs> I like little things like that. I do too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I gave it a 7.5. Pretty good comic. I thought it was unique. The voice was very unique. And I thought that especially for like someone who has historically been an artist, um, I think that they're, this is their second book that I know of them writing. That's a, it's a pretty well-written comic. It doesn't have a lot of the trappings that like artist turn writer has or novelist turn writer has. Yeah. What was their first book again? Oh, that was that like Tommy gun wizards or something like machine oh. gun wizards or something. Yeah. We read the first issue on the podcast years yeah. ago. Um, I gave it an eight. Yeah. Pretty close scores. Hey, Colette. Hey. Can Ron and I ask you some questions? Yes. Sure. Can I ask you if I can, if one of you can throw your copy of that, that their comic in my file when you bring it back to the shop? Because I didn't, I think we yeah. might have sold out. I didn't get to read it. I think it that sounds we did. interesting. Yeah. It was at least interesting for sure. Wait, the bloodstained teeth? Yeah. Oh, okay. I like me some vampires. Me too. Yeah. I, uh, I read They're a lot favorite. of Anne Rice back in the day. Oh my God. I love Interview with a Vampire. Did you see that Lestat, The Last Vampire? That's not the first vamp- the comic we have upstairs? I, I did. I was the one that bought those off of a lady. God, I love that comic. Um, Colette, Roman, do you want to take the reins first? I know we both have issues to ask Colette about that she read that we didn't read. You guys have issues? No. No. <laughs> like me saying I have issues. That's just like the most Roman, do you remember what your book ever. to ask her about was? Wait, what'd you say? What? You're going to ask. I'm going to ask Colette first about Ghost Cage. Colette, I read the first issue of Ghost Cage, which is Nick Dragata's book that he wrote. No, sorry, he co-wrote and then did the art for. I read the first issue. It was oversized and I did not super know what was happening. So I guess my big question is you who read the second issue. Do you feel like you know what's happening more than you did after the first issue? Yes. Okay. Well, Oh, I'm still okay. a little fuzzy on some of the stuff for the first one, but this one ha- was a bit clearer, a little more of a an established linear concept throughout it. Um, I yeah, it was hard reading that first one to know what was intentionally vague and what was kind of like one little missed dialogue bubble that would have clarified some things or one more panel kind of thing mm-hmm. here and there. Um, this yeah, I. This one, 
it it felt clear and i think it, it did make some of the first one feel more understandable i don't know if i'm going to keep going because this isn't really my jam usually mm-hmm. i'm not yeah. a, really a manga reader i don't really watch anime it just doesn't really do it for me and this is so um so much of an homage to so yeah. much of that but it, it i might keep going i can't decide because it is interesting and it is uh it is it is playing around with storytelling and art and everything in a way that i really respect and uh, and i i'm curious to see what they keep doing with with the the craft of making this comic um yeah much more than the being um attached to the characters or the story that's going on or whatnot um Okay, well, what was yeah. your score for? And thank you for being the the mine the the canary in the mine shaft. Yeah, um, I will give it a seven and a half. Okay, I, I guess. Yeah. One of these days, I'm going to actually come up with my scores before we do the show, and not in the moment that I have to give them. I created a very <laughs> definitive division between eight and eight point five, and it only worked against me because now I'm either it's either a seven point five or an eight point five. You know, and it's like, yeah. So anyway, Roman, I think you had some questions for the madam. I did. You read um, Coco. You read, I forgot the name of the title, that new Knights X. of X. Yes, Knights of X. I, I was going to say King X. What is it called? What? Um, yes, Knights of X. How was that? I, I didn't read it, um, but I am kind of curious because it's the fantasy world X book, right? Yeah. And I, I think if I'm not a big time fantasy person I, this is really like a whole lot of me talking about all the things i'm not um i don't know i really like arthurian legend but i don't always love when it gets played with another it's hit and miss for me when um arthurian stuff gets thrown in and i uh yeah i halfway through this i started like wait no don't look at this as being a part of the x books mm-hmm. just read it as a fantasy story that happens to have Krakoan stuff mixed in and it I think took a little of the pressure off of me to to want to like it in the way that I keep wanting to like more of the x-books than I actually do (laughs) um you know it was fine is it um it's not teeny anymore is it it is oh it's oh is it okay yeah I think that's why I didn't read it. Oh, Steve Orlando is now doing Marauders. I'm often not a fan of hers. I mean, she's okay, but she doesn't do it for me a lot of times. Is it, is it the basically a continuation of Excalibur? And Um, so I, I had dropped off of Excalibur, so I had no idea what was going on. I think it, it, it is. And it isn't, it is, it's basically the same team. I guess they're all stuck in Otherworld right now. Most of the team wasn't, though. Just Betsy was, was stuck in Otherworld, but she meets up with Merlin's daughter, whose name I can't remember at the moment, which I should, um, who's in support of all the mutants. And she's like, well, there's no gate. And she's like, well, I can't give you a gate, but I can give you a quest and you can go and collect up your knights for your quest. And so mm. Betsy gets magically sent back to Krakoa and most of the team from uh, Excalibur gets summoned to her and they're all like, yeah, we'll go help you. And then they get sent uh, off on a quest. But there's some like little things like uh, Shogo has been um, super lethargic since coming back. And so Julie's like, all right, I guess 
we gotta go because he's dreaming of this place and uh but then because magic is mean it leaves jubilee behind and just brings shogo as a dragon and um i don't know i i always feel like teeny howard books i end up liking less than i should because they're always close to what i want them to be but there's just enough things that i don't like that it kind of taints the things that i want to like does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah yeah totally um yeah Colette, what was your score for it? Because I have a, a surprise that might not work well for us after. Oh, okay. Uh, six and a half. Okay. Guys, I have not talked to Django at all today. Django! <gasps> he thinks we recorded the podcast a couple of days ago, and it is several <laughs> hours ahead in New Orleans right now. Do you think <laughs> we should try and call him and give see if he can give us a buckshot? He yes. might not even answer. It might be midnight yeah. or one o'clock well, it's over like there. Eleven thirty or midnight there. <laughs> it's it's either midnight. It might be one o'clock. Let's see. <laughs> so he's maybe getting ready to go to bed. Maybe. Yeah. Hey, buddy. Hey, Jango, you got ninety seconds. Buckshot, go. <laughs> oh God, um, I read. I read one comic this week, and it was the. Santa Claus one. They needed more word balloons. They needed so many more word balloons. It the, was all just the aftershock one. The aftershock one. Yeah, hey, I, remember what, I, I don't remember the title. Hey Django, could you turn your jazz down? Uh, okay, yeah. Okay, I turned it way down. You got, you got, you got forty seconds left on the clock here, bud. Okay. Uh, that comic was okay. I would say a okay. Okay. I would give us uh, seven. Okay. Okay. That's, that's pretty good. And, um, and okay. Yeah, but I can hear him very good. <laughs> yeah. 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 J- just say, hey, Jane, can you be quiet? Let's just let everyone hear it for a little bit. Oh yeah. Django, I love that. And this audio is phenomenal, buddy. I can't fuck I can't wait for you. Yo, the show is going great. Your show's going great. I'm excited for you to hear the podcast. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Exactly where you'd expect him to be. He answered uh by the second ring in a show that was clearly very loud. That's a man who never confuses the vibration in his butt for the vibration in his pocket. Uh, podcast gold. Podcast oh, God, gold. That, so the aftershock. Beautiful gold. audio on my end. Yeah. Oh, it was bad for me too. I heard what you heard. Yeah. I think oh. everyone will like it though because yeah. God damn it, do we all miss Django. We do. Mm-hmm. God, we love the guy. Um, well, on that note. During a live show. Oh, he probably was like, it's 10 o'clock. Jeff's probably trying to do something really important for the store and it's broken and I've somehow broken <laughs> everything and Jeff can't do it. And if I don't answer this right now, I will fucked up, you know, like, you know, he, you know, we call each other in emergencies a lot. I also, like we talked about before the podcast today, Jenga or Roman, I just call people, you know, because I like human interaction. I like human interaction. I don't know. I prefer it to a text. I like to jazz music it up, do a little dance on the floor. Um, hey, Jeffrey. Yeah, what's up? Did you have any comics that you wanted questions asked oh, to you about? That's really nice of you to ask. God, I just do this so much. I assume everyone's tired of my voice. Um, I read Thor 24, 750 
I liked the framing device that Donnie Cates did, which was the send off of Odin. And there's a bunch of small stories in the middle of it. I don't necessarily love if every 25 to 50 episodes we need or issues, we need to do a giant sort of anthology piece where a bunch of different people are, you know, telling stories. But I think that they actually wove it in pretty well. And the beginning and the end are probably close to the total page count of what a Thor issue would have been. And I think that it was good. And then on top of that, you got some Walter Simonson, um, some Olivier Coipé with, sorry, uh, Straczynski with art by Olivier Coipé. I think I like J. Michael Straczynski's writing more than I think that I do. I like their Spider-Man run. I liked their Thor run. I liked when they cropped back up doing Thor here. Um, and then the cliffhanger is very fun. And I'm not going to spoil it for anybody, but it's like, oh, that's that Donny Cates fun, big stuff that makes me want to read more. And then I also read Holt Grand Design Madness. So this is the second issue in this two-parter. Uh, mostly because one of my best friends in the entire world is an expert on all things Hulk. And I don't know anything about the Hulk, really, outside of two different runs that I've read. So I read this just to kind of know what it's like to be in Roman's head. And I was astounded by how many bad, what feel like bad comics runs there have been in the Hulk, man. He's the Hulk. He's not the Hulk. He's the Hulk. He's not the Hulk. He's the Hulk. That little kid uh, that didn't die originally, his sidekick is the Hulk. He's not the Hulk. He's the Hulk. He's not the Hulk. He's married. They're dead. Now he's now banners the Hulk again. Like, it's crazy. Um, there are teams and organizations I never even knew existed with horrible names like <laughs> Omnibus <laughs> and Annihilation and Anthem and like just like terrible organization names. And <laughs> I just don't know when they happened. But then at the same time, there's really cool stuff that I know happened in like the Peter David run that I can pick out. I'm like, oh, well, that's actually really awesome. Um, I think the, the actual. I was gonna, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, I, I, I think more. So I think that the fan, X-Men one is fantastic because it's actually this great look at the history of X-Men, like an encyclopedia. This one actually does it quickly. They do it in two issues. It was fast. It didn't take a ton of time to go through it. And it really raised the point of just like how bonkers the Hulk's history is also the art sort of changes throughout it to sort of mimic the time that the stories are coming out I really liked that I think that Piscor is probably my favorite cartoonist in the cartoonist kayfabe group but I think that Jim Rugg is my favorite producer and he can put these advertisements and these fun interchanges into the pages of these books that uh, make it a really fun thing to be reading like you're seeing covers of comics throughout it and uh you know, some comics history as well. Um, the Heroes Reborn bit was great. And it just made me think about Roman the whole time. And I loved that. And I just loved thinking about that genuinely one of my favorite people loves all of these stories. And I was just sort of like tr every page, I was just like, what would it have been like to be reading this story? And it, but it by panel by panel, it just is jumping so drastically. So you're only getting snapshots of it. And I'm sure it all makes sense as you read the whole thing. But in this one, you're just like, wait, what, what, what? And uh, that's, that's nuts. Um, so I gave, um, I gave, I gave Thor a 7.5 and I gave that one, the Hulk book an 8.5. Those were cool. the two that I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was, so it sounds like the, the Hulk had a little better uh, or a little bit more of a flow to the actual reading of it than the first issue did. <sighs> no. Oh, they're okay. so, I don't know. It's, I feel like I want to reread all three grand design books because they're all done with a very different intention in mind and they mm -hmm. all approach 
the idea of trying to retell the entire history of a comic book within comic books in a different way. And but I think the downside of that is that the X-Men one was so popular and the first one that the subsequent ones have needed to kind of be holden to the brand of grand design and maybe not fully go as because like the Fantastic Four one was kind of just like, I'm going to make up some stories. And the X-Men one was very you know, like a dictionary. It was like the Roman version to me. And like the Fantastic Four one was like the Jeff version, which is like, I'm going to say some stuff. But at the end, we'll end at a spot where we're all on the same page, maybe. Um, <laughs> and then this one, I think, threaded the needle pretty well. But what I think that this one did was like the package of it, like the, um, you know, the uh, the Steve Lieber, Lieber of it all was very, very good. It was a well, well put together, well designed, I think maybe better than all of them. So they all have a different thing. Uh, Great compendium. Yeah. Roman, I love that you're my Hulk guy. And I just loved your love of the Hulk constantly forces me because I to to look deeper at this character and all these stories than I naturally would. Because I on one hand, I'm like, man, I don't like this character. And then I'm like, but someone really likes this character. Like, and like just the I I love the idea that every one of these stories could have been a deeply resonant story. Very cool thing to do. Yeah, there was overall I, I the X-Men grand design flowed the best as a story but yeah this hulk one is the most interesting just in the way it presents different phases of the hulk's um mm -hmm. career <laughs> um cool artistic interpretations and, and i do and i do have to add uh, thanks for all that jeff but i do have to add yeah not this reminded me of quite a few stories i'd forgotten and definitely don't love every hulk story <laughs> I was just thinking like man there was probably a year and a half here where it was a real bummer to pick up your hulk copy every month yeah yeah i mean one of the low points that this reminded me is like oh yeah there was that time that uh some for reasons banner was like savage banner yeah i was like okay that's a <laughs> thing it was just dumb because he was just puny banner but savage <laughs> but also like it's like almost Degrassi days of our lives esque. Like, yeah, well, their consciousness was split and he was living in the gray consciousness at this point, but his other consciousness had a wife, but then they broke up, but then she got together with his best buddy sidekick. And yep. then she died releasing this conscious. You're like, Whoa, <laughs> this is like friends. Um, oh yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. There's, there's Django texted me and says best surprise buckshot so far. We've been doing <laughs> surprise buckshots on the show lately, Colette. Um, oh, I know I've yeah, experienced yeah. them. Yeah. So to get a phone call at midnight in new Orleans is a pretty fucking good one. I think I'm maybe the best at springing among people. So I'm feeling good about that. Um, Guys, we got to wrap this thing up and go home. We're four mm -hmm. minutes after when I was thinking we were going to be done. And four oh, minutes, I could be playing Elden Ring with those four minutes. No, it's too late to play Elden Ring. Um, <laughs> this Saturday is free comic book day. The day that this podcast goes up, that's about five or six days away. So everyone should come see us for free comic book day. Uh, we're doing it without Django. And I think that we can all comfortably say that he is absolutely the, the best event planner at our store. Yeah. 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 So we're going to just hobble into this race and maybe past the finish line. <laughs> and if you want to be a part of that, come see us. Uh, we are going to be excited to see everyone, but please be patient because um, we're missing our best weapon for that whole thing. <laughs> it's like go into a gunfight with a spitball shooter <laughs> is what we've got here. Yeah. And there are, and there are, I mean, this is, this is, isn't this our first free comic book day in what, two years, three years? Oh, uh, we did we one did last, last year. year. Oh, we did. Yep. Yeah, it was it was in August, I think. They did it later than usual. Well, yeah. Well, what are year. what are our um, 
what are some of the, the important things people need to know for attendance of this one? Um, well, we are sure. limiting the number of people in the store at a time. So there will be a line. We're doing that like last year, which was really successful. And they, people did not have to wait outside actually very long to be in there. Mm-hmm. Make sure you bring your proof of vaccination. Uh, even if you're on the list, it will be faster to get in if you can just show it right at the door. We will have 100%. the list, though, absolutely ready. Um, uh, you know, just be, bring your lovely self and your patience, and we're going to have a lot of great free comics for you. We uh, we buy a lot of them so that we can give them to you because we love you. And uh, we're going to have some bundles on sale. We're going to have some used in the sale trade paperbacks uh extra discounted for you and uh and sunday if you want to come back we're gonna have a back issue sale on that mm. plethora of fantastic uh older back issues that we've got and it's so, uh, saturday free comic book day we're gonna be doing hardcore the spirit of free comic book day which is getting kids and people that haven't come into the store yeah. some free comics again there and then we're gonna be doing a much larger sale for our customer appreciation party which is a number of months uh, after free comic book day but that is the one where it's gonna be hey get a bunch of really 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 cheap stuff and and uh, a bunch of fun things but this one we're just really excited to get a bunch of faces in there and spread a love of comics to people who maybe don't experience so tell your friends about it tell them to come down we will be having fun uh tony coffee is going to be having a bunch of coffee out front for us um and colette and i are going to meet in the next couple of days to plan it because we're scared uh we're scared because we're just like bad little kids we're just bad little kids and mommy and daddy are gone in the form of our big omni omni parent django so uh, we're just gonna try and handle it um you can send us an email at jeff at the comicsplace.com like will does every week a huge thank you to will and a huge thank you to our editor andrew carlson friend of the show uh who does a great job of taking this mess every week and patching packaging it into a thing that we can send out into the world so thank you to both of you if you want to be a regular contributor to this show all you have to do is start regularly contributing. We've gotten emails. I love it. You can send one every single week. You could send one once a month, or you could call us. Uh, you could record a voice memo on your phone. You know, we all have that voice memo app. Hit record, record a question, and then attach it as an email to jeff at thecomicsplace.com. That would be awesome. Tell your friends about this podcast, or just better than that, bring your friends into the comic shop and hang out with us. You know, it's the Comics Place Presents. We're just your sort of mobile comic shop on the go don't have a comic shop let us be that for you um i don't think we do that thing where django asks a crest question so i don't know like we're probably just okay to leave right sure i didn't think of any questions um what do you think the name of the band django was listening to was i think it was obtuse caboose he said it but i couldn't understand him I thought he said lettuce, and that sounds like something I could have completely heard wrong, or absolutely the name of a band that Django is listening to in New Orleans. So I say obtuse caboose, you say lettuce. I said the Levnet. The Levnet? Or Levnet. Levnet. You know, that region over there in the Middle East. Lebanon? No, no. The 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 Levnet. Never mind. Let's get out of this. (laughs) I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Roman didn't say bye yet. Oh, I thought we stopped. Goodbye. Thank you, people.